Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection is the perfect Christmas gift for children, grandchildren, and godchildren ages 5 through 9. This new resource is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. You can also purchase Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December, Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection, 1-800-325-3040 or issuesetc.org. The media is tone deaf to the music of religion in daily life. It's pure, blunt, and I think pretty despicable politics to try to paint people of faith with the bigot label. And if they do that, then the IRS is empowered to take away the tax exempt status of religious organizations that disagree. No one is worthless for whom Christ died. And of course, Christ died for all. We are not to make any distinctions based on social status or mental or physical ability or power or wealth or anything else. The gospel is the power of God into salvation for all who believe. The gospel is the power, not you making some decision. I tell you, Christ has decided for you. Believe it, and it's yours. Families putting up their manger scenes from the outdoor nativity store, love, issues, etc. Well, this split in the United Methodist Church has been in the works for several years, postponed by a pandemic and other events as well. Now, It's finally happening, and it's not looking so much like a split as an exodus, a congregational exodus from the United Methodist Church. How big will the exodus be, and what will the United Methodist Church look like when it's done? Greetings and welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in live on this Thursday afternoon, the 8th of December. Mark Tooley joins us to talk about the congregational exodus from the United Methodist Church. Then we'll begin a series on marriage enrichment with Pastor David Peterson of Gottesdienst, the Journal of a Lutheran Liturgy. Mark Tooley is president of the Institute on Religion and Democracy based in Washington, D.C. He's author of the book, Taking Back the United Methodist Church, and a recent column for World News Group titled, There Go the Churches. Mark, welcome back. Yes, always good to be with you. How many congregations could potentially leave the United Methodist Church? Probably about 5,000 congregations will have left before the deadline at the end of next year. What is that deadline, and why has the deadline been set? Well, as you noted, uh, the division of the Methodist Church has been unfolding over the last several years, and uh, initially there was a planned division of the Church that liberals and conservatives had agreed to that, uh, unfortunately, uh, because the governing general conference of the denomination was postponed repeatedly uh, with the excuse of the pandemic, was never enacted. So a temporary law enacted in 2019 allows congregations to vote themselves out of the denomination before the end of 2023. Did you expect the congregational exodus from the United Methodist Church to be as large as it's likely to be? Yes, I did. Uh, When the plan for an organized division was first considered and became a matter, at least uh, briefly, of consensus, I had thought that perhaps 25 or maybe as high as 30 percent of the U.S. Church would ultimately go in the more 
conservative direction, but that was allowing churches to leave without cost. Churches exiting now have to pay a one-time fee that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's a tall order, and they also have to vote by a two-thirds margin in the congregation. So uh, that means the number of churches leaving will be smaller, although the ones leaving will be more motivated and committed. So I would expect that the departed congregations will be between 15 and 20 percent of the total in the U.S., but the denomination is global, and a majority of the membership are in Africa. Globally, there are 13 million members, 7 million are in Africa, and I think ultimately almost all of the Africans will align with the conservative side. Give us a little history. Why are these congregations deciding to leave? Like all of the mainline denominations, the seminaries went liberal early in the 20th century, but most lay people were not entirely aware of that phenomenon. But with the issue of sexuality being debated for the last several decades, uh, people were aware of the implications of that debate, and almost alone among the historically liberal Protestant denominations, United Methodism never compromised its official teachings on marriage and sex. But that's only because of the strength of the overseas African delegates. If it were just up to the U.S. part of the church, it would have liberalized long ago, like the Episcopal Church or the Presbyterian Church USA and several others. So although the official teachings remained traditional, the uh, leadership in the U.S. church remained very liberal and reluctant to enforce those teachings. So conservatives eventually realized that they could not stay in the current denomination, and the current denomination is, in effect, uh, unfixable. It's been in decline for 57 years. It has a sclerotic bureaucracy. It has policies like guaranteed tenure for its clergy that essentially make any kind of revival or turnaround almost impossible. How are uh, United Methodist Church denominational agencies preparing for the loss of congregations? The finance agency for the denomination is anticipating a 38% drop of income between 2024 and 2028, uh, which uh, implies they're expecting about a 38% drop in membership for the denomination over the next five or six years, uh, which uh, I think is, uh, it'll at the very least be that. Where are these congregations generally going denominationally? A new denomination called the Global Methodist Church was announced in May of this year, and so probably 85% to 90% of the exiting congregations ultimately will be joining the Global Methodist Church. What will that look like theologically? Well, it will have the official doctrines that the United Methodist Church has, which on paper are good, Wesleyan, uh, biblical, orthodox, classic, but uh, they will be more seriously upheld, and also there will be more accountability. The bishops will have less authority and power, and congregations will own their own church property instead of the denomination owning the church property, which was often a tool for control and coercion. You mentioned the African churches. What are non-U.S. Methodist churches generally doing? The Africans at this point are waiting to see what happens at the next governing general conference scheduled for spring of 2024, if and when that convention officially liberalizes the church's teachings, the Africans will begin their 
exodus. And I think, uh, as I mentioned, the vast majority will end up aligned with the global Methodist Church. Tell us about a couple megachurches you've written about recently, White's Chapel near Dallas, Texas, and St. Andrew Methodist in Plano, Texas. Well, most congregations voting to exit the denomination are conservative or traditionalist congregations. These two megachurches were not liberal, but they weren't really regarded as conservative either, so their exit by a large margin surprised many, but I think it makes a certain sense. These fairly successful, large, mostly self-contained congregations uh, pragmatically see no purpose in remaining aligned with a fast, declining denomination that requires support and resources, but provides almost no benefit in return. So what are they doing? Yet to be seen, they have said they don't anticipate joining the Global Methodist Church. Uh, They haven't made a final decision. They and a few other big churches have announced uh, a uh, sort of informal network for Wesleyan congregations for large churches like themselves. You say that congregations are also leaving, not only for theological, but also for pragmatic reasons. What do you mean by that? Well, again, these two large megachurches, they're almost self-contained. They get no benefit from being part of the denomination. Instead, they have to pay out hundreds of thousands of dollars to the denomination, and their pastors theoretically have to be appointed by the bishop who may or not be sympathetic to their particular needs. And this is, of course, part of an overall Friends in American Christianity, the fast declining status and loyalty to traditional denominations, even people in denominations, aren't necessarily aware of the fact, and if they are aware, don't care very much about the brand loyalty of those denominations compared to their parents or grandparents of 30 or 40 years ago. How is this exodus from the United Methodist Church to be understood in light of the overall decline of mainline Protestant denominations? Well, it's sort of the cherry and the pie of the collapse of mainline Protestantism. The United Methodism is the largest of the mainline churches, and uh, it's uh, if and when it liberalizes on sexuality, it will be nearly the last uh, to do so, and uh, its implosion will follow the example of what's already happening uh, to the Presbyterian Church USA or the United Church of Christ, and the other mainline denominations. Finally, what will the United Methodist Church itself look like after this exodus? I would expect in five years, the United Methodist Church, which is currently 13 million members globally and 6 million in the U.S., will be a essentially a U.S.-only denomination of maybe three or three and a half million and declining by a couple hundred thousand members a year, almost entirely comprised of uh, old white people and with almost no cause for optimism institutionally for the future. Mark Tooley is president of the Institute on Religion and Democracy based in Washington, D.C. He's author of the book, Taking Back the United Methodist Church, and a recent column for World News Group titled, There Go the Churches. You'll find a link to this column and to the Institute on Religion and Democracy on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Mark, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. When we return, 
We're going to begin a new series with Pastor David Peterson of Gottesdienst, the Journal of Lutheran Liturgy. We're going to be talking about marriage enrichment. Why is the church uniquely suited to do the right kind of marriage enrichment for a congregation's particular husbands and wives? Listen to the best of the church's music for the Advent season at lutheranpublicradio.org. Sacred music for the Advent season, lutheranpublicradio.org. Psalm 144.1 Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Those serving in the armed forces want LCMS chaplains. We need courageous pastors to bring the gospel and sacraments to those protecting our nation, along with wise counsel and the peace found only in Christ Jesus. If you are between the age of 26 and 43 and have a heart for ministry in the armed forces, call 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Contending for truth in an age of anti-truth. You're listening to Issues Etc. Is your child struggling at school? Are you thinking about homeschooling? Would you like help knowing what to teach and how to teach it? The Simply Classical curriculum from Memoria Press provides an enriching, step-by-step classical Christian education for students who have autism, learning or behavioral difficulties, ADHD, and more. You'll find everything you need, including daily lesson plans to guide your way. Learn more at simplyclassical.com. Use LPR23 to save on your order. Simplyclassical.com. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial a podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now.